0: On Phoenix FM How Herb Alpert must love us Hello again, this is Steve Tun welcoming you, whether you're listening live or on catch-up, to a very special edition, which uh, we should probably call the Ross Embleton Hour because we're delighted to have in the studio the man officially named just two days ago as Leighton Orient's new and permanent head coach Ross, uh, welcome and congratulations Thank you
1: very much, I think it's the first time officially sat in front of anyone someone's called me the. The new head coach. So uh, it's a nice feeling, but thank you very much
0: for having me. Excellent. And also in the studio, uh, our regulars Trevor Singfield and Lee Boyce. Happy New Year, chaps. Uh, Trevor, you've uh, picked up some questions from supporters to throw at Ross. Good questions
2: we've got? Yeah, good evening, everyone. Yeah, we've got some uh, excellent questions which we picked up off Twitter and uh, Facebook. Um, so looking forward to getting some good answers.
0: And Lee, you've been a big supporter of Ross, we know, uh, so very happy with the appointment, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, I think everyone who follows me on Twitter knows that that I've I've backed Ross since the start. Yeah, I'm delighted with it. I think he's got a good coach
0: coming through here. Excellent. Well, we'll drop in some of those questions as we go along. Um, The format of the programme will obviously be a little bit different to normal because uh, apart from anything else, we don't have a, a weekend game to look back on. But we've got one to look ahead. It's Grimsby Town, of course, and uh, their new manager Ian Holloway arriving on Saturday with about 1,000 supporters as well, apparently. Uh, We're also one week into the transfer window. We've got transfer news tonight of an outgoing player. So we'll be grilling Ross about that and what the club have done so far and what we hope to be doing before the end of the month and naturally talking about hopes for the rest of the season and about why, let's be honest, things probably haven't gone as well as we'd hoped so far. But Ross, let's start um, by clearing a couple of things up once and for all. um, You started the season as interim head coach and and after 10 league games, you asked to stand down, which led to a whole recruitment process, Carl Fletcher coming in, which as we know, didn't work out. And and after standing in again, um, well, tell us what happened from there and, and why do you now feel you're ready to take the job?
1: I think for a number of factors really. Um, To touch on the, the reason, the rationale in terms of why I felt it wasn't right for me personally and for the club. I think is something that has to be um, put at the forefront of things as well because it wasn't just about whether or not I felt I was ready to be the manager at that stage. It was about what was best for the club as well. Um, my, my real thinking behind that at the moment at that time was, was very tough because of the situation that I found myself in, the situation in terms of the loss adjusting and, and, the, and the way that... Um, the way that that had sort of started the season off really felt like a real, real tough pressure for me, um, and I felt that at that stage I, I wasn't really in a position to to to, to really take the responsibility of, of the job on a, on a full-time basis, and I think it would have been really naive of me to just go with it, to just take the opportunity to quote some of the, you, know, you never know what's around the corner, don't walk away with any regrets, all those things that were sort of thrown at me when I made that decision. But it would have been naive of me at the time to, in the mindset that I had to have to have taken, taken the job on on a full-time basis. I think uh, the situation that I find myself in now is, I've been in the job, I think that's something that I've sort of said over the last couple of weeks, I've been in it, I've been doing it, and I think Anybody in any walk of life, you take football and, 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 and me out of it for the moment, is when you step into something new, it's an uncomfortable feeling, it's different. You don't quite understand what the emotions are all about and sometimes how to control them. And I think the longer you go and you stay and you do that particular role, like I say, in, any, in anything that you do, I think you you start to acclimatise to it. And then you start to realise, well, is this for me or is it, isn't it for me? Um I make no secret of it, obviously the managerial change, you know, disrupted the, the flow a little bit throughout the season um, but then I suppose me stepping back into the role again, I, I, I could then come into it with a bit of a different approach and a different idea because I felt that I was changing the circumstances and the situation and the team and the organisation of it all from a particular previous manager rather than the one that I'd been working for over the last two years and someone that, I, that we'd experience a huge amount of success from. And like I say, that bit at the beginning of the season was really tough because everyone kept saying to me, you've got to be yourself, you've got to be your own man, don't try and feel Justin's shoes. And all them things I was totally, totally happy and comfortable with. But when it came to sort of making adjustments to the team, to to changing things that we might do day to day at at training or, or the way that we had meetings, all them little things always seemed to carry on repeating on me. And it always felt like, oh, I felt very, very uncomfortable with with adjusting what had got us so much success last year, so like I say, you know, number of factors as to why I didn't. Um, but I think being in the position, and and I think also as well because the season hasn't been an absolute screamer by any any stretch of the imagination. Doing the job under the pressure that the job is anyway, and then obviously under the circumstances that I've had to do it in in previous previous times has probably made me a little bit more confident about how I can go into the role. Now, on a permanent basis, a bit more of a positive frame of mind,
0: sure. And just before we get a first supporters question, um, you better give us that breaking news today about the transfer loan transfer out.
1: Yeah, Dal Gorman. Um, it's been something that Dal and I have discussed over the last couple of weeks, obviously, with, a, with an eye on the transfer window opening. Um, I think the big thing for the position that we're in at the moment is we need to. Evolve the squad in you know in the in the best or the, or the most appropriate way that we can in this transfer window. I think it'd be naive of us to go and make wild changes ins and outs, um, but I think it is a good opportunity for us to freshen it up. And I think with Dal's development, with Dal's career and his progress in mind, from my perspective, um, I feel it's the best thing for Dal to go and play football. He's out of contract at the end of the season. He hasn't played. Or been in the team to the level that he would have hoped uh, throughout this one, and what I, you know, what I don't want for him is for him to find himself March April time with very few games under his belt. He's out of contract at the end of the season, and then he finds himself on that hunt for a new, new club or to develop his career, and and he's done it without any games. So I think we were both in agreement that it was a positive uh, viewpoint for him to go out. Um, there was a number of clubs interested in him, I know first and foremost in the National League, but his heart was set on trying to stay in the league um, and I'm delighted for him that he's got the opportunity to go go to, uh, to Newport and, and get himself some games under his belt and, and build himself that profile between now and the end of the season.
2: So, yeah, good evening Ross and congratulations on the appointment. Thank you. So the, uh, the first question we got is from... Uh, a latent lad of many years and uh, his name is Smoke O's on Twitter. He says, from the days of Lowell Lane as a kid to the dugout of Brisbane Road as a man, <laughs> he said, please ask Ross to describe how proud of feeling this must be. Uh,
1: the easiest way for me to describe it is as you're saying it, it sends tingles down my spine and I genuinely mean that. I think there's, um, my brother sent me a couple of pictures today of me as a kid playing, like he says, at Lowell uh, in Walthamstow where I lived and grew up but I got me Orient kit on. Um, dribbling around against kids in, you know, Man United, Chelsea, Tottenham, West Ham kits, and um, and then obviously not just not just that, not just going to games following the club home and away and that sort of thing, but the fact that on top of that, the fact that I left school and, and come through into the football and the community program and 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 spent so many years in and around the club, I was you know in the centre of excellence as a kid, all, you know, all them things add to it, but you know. I always wanted to be a coach I always wanted to be a good coach and that was my mindset so when I worked on Saturday morning football clubs coaching six and seven year olds I wanted to be really good at it I think it's a bit too cliche and easy to say I wanted to be the best but I wanted to be good and then every time I've gone into the next role I just wanted to be the you know the best or as, as you know go into it and be the, the you know the best that I can be and uh, and it sort of evolved and evolved and evolved and then all of a sudden when the, the conversation started to look like I'd be coming into the club, it was quite mind-blowing that the consortium were taking over and it looked like I was going to come in and, you know, whatever role it was going to be at the time in terms of supporting Steve, which it turned out to be. It was an unbelievable privilege and I, even during that and when I was interim manager then, I never ever thought I'd end up being and Orient manager. So it's quite difficult to describe, and I know I've gone through it in a, in a very, very long way there, but I think those goosebumps are the only way that you lot can't feel it, you lot can't hear it, but it's an unbelievable feeling to know that I'm now manager of the club that I've been around since I was God knows what age.
2: Well, you're, you're actually showing it in the studio with your hands and, and the passion on your face, I can assure anybody who's listening that, that you, you, you're very proud to be like an Extremely, well, we can only have a dream of, I mean, years ago I was mascot in the 1980s and the only chance I'll get a pick in the team is in the pub with the lads. So, um... <laughs>
1: it's an easier place to
2: pick it, I can tell you that much. <laughs> so with you, you going through all that, what you've done to, to make it where you have today, it must be an extremely proud thing to be done and, and congratulations. Thank you.
0: Well done. Well, let's look back a little bit um, before we look forward. Um, We don't need to go over all the the horrible events of the summer again, but once the season started, did you feel there was a a bit of an emotional hangover? I've seen comments this week from some people saying that the players still look occasionally as if they haven't really got over the whole thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it was Nigel and Kent, I think I heard talking, or Nigel Walken, should I say, talking this week about no one really understands what it's about people understand grieving so I'd never ever take that away from anybody and I think that's one thing we all have to remember is that we, the players and everybody, the supporters everyone around the club have gone, have gone or are going for a grieving process, no more so than, than Justin's family um, but I think there, is def- there definitely was that for a hell of a long, long time and I'm talking from a personal point of view absolutely out of nowhere, it would just hit you like a ton, it hit me like a ton of bricks, Um, it could just be walking down the stairs on the day of a game, it was so so surreal, I haven't lost many people, fortunately touch wood in in my family, Um, so it it made a massive impact on me, but there was half times, there was full times, there was moments before kick-off, where the boys, one or two of the boys, would, would disappear into the toilets, or grab a member of staff, and it doesn't happen quite so much, It doesn't happen quite so much these days, but is it still lingering? Is it still there? 100%. Um, And I think you can look at that twofold, can't you? You can look at that and say, does it hang on people? Yeah, I think it does. But then at the same time, what do you do about it? You know, we've we've all lost someone immensely uh, close to us, but not only someone that was immensely close to us, we went through so much with that person as well. So I think the simple answer is... Yes, it had a massive impact at the start of the season. Does it still have it? Yes, it certainly does.
0: Right. And once we'd had a few games, were you surprised at how big a step up this League 2 seemed to be from the National League?
1: Yes. Um, First of all, physically. um, I think it made me realise that last year when we played a lot of games, we were the... I wouldn't have said that we had like outrageous quality players for the level. I thought we had good players for the national league. I thought we had players that were were and should be pushing for winning the title. That you know that that type of level, I think. But it always felt like we would outrun a team, or if we had dominance on the game, that the other team had run out of puff, run out of steam, and they'd have two or three players that you felt were national league players. You know, sprinkled in with sort of six or seven that were good national league, but. This year, I don't see that. I don't see that weakness in the teams at any at any stage. I think everyone's capable of sticking in the game. Everyone's capable of running and playing for 90, 95 minutes at the same intensity. So I think that was a massive step up. And I think in recent times, we've started to see that there's a lot, lot more quality across the league. There's very few games where the ball's, I think the Oldham game, I remember thinking, this looks like a national, game, national league game. But <laughs> other than that, there hasn't been loads where you think, oh, ball's out of play, ball's out of play, ball's out of play, you know.
0: Lee,
1: you saw a lot of games last season as well. Did you notice that
3: step up from very early on? Yeah, I think it was a uh, plain to see for everyone to see. I mean, uh, and to be honest, we struggled. We struggled to get into the season, really. Uh, but like I said, well, I think we've adjusted well under Ross since uh, since he's come back in. I know, <laughs> I know, I got slaughtered on Twitter the other day for saying this, but the, 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 we've become a, a hard team to beat now. So we were starting to master the. Uh, The other teams.
0: And Ross, you mentioned reasons you stood down after the the Colchester game. Then we got that slightly ironic stage where we had the the very exciting Port Vale game, the 3-3 draw, and then got three wins on the trot. Um, You must have been feeling quite relaxed at that time, but was there any particular reason for that little burst, things just coming together?
1: I think um, we went away to the the Port Vale game, obviously. it, It was a massive it was a real good feeling to obviously finish a game after a, having experienced the late equaliser against us against Exeter a late mm-hmm. defeat against Crewe to go and nick a equaliser against Port Vale in the manner that we did it was almost like a bit of a oh there it is thank God for it, it was us for once and, and I remember not in those words but very similar saying to the lads after the game like we're a bit disappointed that we've got a 3-3 draw against Port Vale they've actually ended up having quite a good run since um isn't it great for us to be walking off the pitch and not having experienced a defeat or a late draw for once? And and I remember hearing a few of the lads like, I think this could be it. This could be our turning point. This is uh, there's a much more positive feeling about us getting a draw rather than losing one and or, or losing the actual game. I felt that was positive. Then we went away to Northampton. We showed like our thought real power and strength and the, like the first time really we went we, we we done the real ugly side of the game. We went toe to toe with a very re- very really powerful and strong team and showed our defensive qualities again which we showed on a number of occasions last year um, and then you could feel that I could feel that confidence coming into the boys I don't I don't know the reason why um, but I know that once we come off the pitch at, Grim, at, at Grimsby my parting message to the lads was that was coming that's been there that's been that positivity's been so close you know you get the if Jordan Maguire Drew scores a penalty against Crewe you go you go and go up and it's a different... You felt like that if we could get a second goal in a game and, 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 and get that little bit more comfort in it, that we could trample all over a team. And, and we ended up doing that, especially in a set later in the second half against Grimsby. So I think the performances on some occasions in that early period didn't get the results that we felt that we got... And then that little bit of confidence off the back of the Port Vale game and then going and winning ugly away to Northampton, then sort of started to build the boys up a little bit more. And then I suppose as well, at the same time, you have to say that they were all waiting for a new manager. Did they all know that he was sitting in the crowd every week watching them? I don't know. Maybe that might have been an, an extra added feel to it. I, I can't put my finger on it enough. If I knew the recipe, I'd go and do it this weekend to make sure that it happens. Um But I think it was a coming together of some good performances and in that confidence that we got off the Port Vale and Northampton results sort of snowballed from there.
0: Mm. Well, Carl, as you say, sat sat and watched the Grimsby game and and then came in and and he had, what, three league games, two cup games. How do you look back on that period yourself?
1: Difficult. Difficult. Um, I think we have to um, respect the fact that, um, off the back of it, a lot of people said to me, it was very difficult for the manager to come in and work with a completely new group group of people and yeah of course it is it's different it's daunting I think but sometimes when you do that building relationships is a real key element and key side to, to what you do in terms of coming into into that environment that you know you're coming into and it, and it, it, it didn't it didn't work pretty quickly obviously as everyone started to see um, I felt like we lost our Our identity a little bit in terms of the the energy and the 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 work ethic that we get out of our team. Whether that was because of how he was wanted us to play, whether that was the the atmosphere at the training ground. I I don't particularly can't put my finger on exactly why why that was, but I think you know people at the club and 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 the the board got a lot of stick off the back of it. And I think twenty nine days in football is a very very short period of time. But I think if you are going to give credit. For the way that the crowd, the, the bald and, 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 and Martin reacted to that situation was they they acted as quickly as they possibly could as soon as they felt that the alarm bells were ringing, they made a decision and they acted upon it. I think so often in football they go, "I'll give him another four games. It's too late um, or it can be a lot lot later." So they felt it wasn't right. They made the decisions, and ultimately they made that decision for, for the best of the football club because you know that's what that's what they all want.
0: Yeah, One of the impressions from the outside was um, that Carl wanted to change quite a lot of things quite quickly um, Trevor, any, any questions there about about Ross's idea of going forward?
2: Yeah, well Tony uh, posted saying he said, what single aspect of managing the team do you find the most challenging and the need to improve on? And he said also, obviously apart from gaining
1: extra points, but um, you sort of get what he's saying out of coming across there. I think... Um for me the, the biggest challenge And I, when I say chale- ch- The biggest challenge Was Having that um, That definitive Making that definitive decision That cutthroat decision if For the want of a better phrase To have that Ruthlessness in the way That I go about it Knowing exactly How to go about it Because until The start of this season I never had to make them But I think what Has helped me And given me more Comfort Or more reassurance In myself to do the to do the job and to make those decisions he's making them i think you then start to realize that you know for example leaving someone out of the team you see the reaction from that particular individual you experience the positivity maybe from particular members of the coaching staff or the positivity in terms of the reaction that the crowd might make and then the flip side of that the negativity either way because you might drop someone's favorite player but i think what that does for me when i'm when i've made those those tougher decisions he's given me real real reassurance that I'm happy and I'm capable of making it and I'm happy of dealing with what comes after it as well you know it's my decision it's what I think is best and right for the the team and the club at that moment and I'm willing to back myself to make those decisions you know like like I say for for the very best of everyone in order to get those points that you just mentioned (laughs) yeah Ross you were saying earlier
3: on about uh, the the way you were with a team like sort of close friends and all that Uh, now you're saying about making decisions. I mean how how have the the players accepted like do they still call you Ross is it still like on a mate's term have they accepted the fact that you are there
1: making these big decisions that's massive for me because I've um, obviously forged relationships I think if you're assistant manager or first team coach at a football club if you are not forging close relationships with your players I don't think you're doing it properly in my personal opinion someone else will shoot me down and say differently but I think if you're doing that job the manager does what he does. He makes those cutthroat decisions and you need to be, he needs to have someone that he knows can go and reassure the players. So I've got absolutely no shame whatsoever in the relationships that I've built with those players and and the success that we got will last with us forever and there'll always be a bond with us. But my my responsibilities have changed now. So to answer your question, yesterday morning, I've had so many meetings with the players this year of (laughs) I'm in charge, then I'm not going to be, all them sorts of things. And then, This hasn't been right. This hasn't been good. This is our target. This is our focus. This is what we've got to do to get better. All them pieces of information that I tried to give them, and yesterday was a bit of a strange one because I didn't need to stand up and tell them, yeah, we're going to win the league now I've taken over. I needed to say to them, no, no. What I've been saying to you is consistency and we need to get closer to that consistency. So I sort of put that to bed straight away. I didn't have to cover too much detail because I'd already done it. And then my next thing to them was, um, you know, I love a lot of you to bits. I'm extremely close to you. I've built some fantastic relationships with you, but no longer am I Ross. They've always called me Ross. There's no no nicknames. um Always, I've always been mate. Some of them call me Rossy just because of the way that they phrase things when they talk to me in Craig Clay's Northern accent. um But as of yesterday, I was I was the boss, so they have to call me boss now. Um, can't do the gaffer thing don't like it a few people text me (laughs) and said congratulations gaffer and i soon shot them down on the message that i got from them although i know they meant it in the nicest possible way and at the same time i don't want to be the gaffer because because of the tag that i put the gaffer onto onto justin i don't want to carry that tag around with me um he was my gaffer he was our gaffer i think so many people associated him with that so i want to park that one with him and and let him keep that one and, and boss is a little bit easier Because it ain't too far off my name <laughs> Yeah,
2: Ross, Ross the boss
0: There we go <laughs> Have
1: they uh, Sorry Steve
0: I was going to say You try to find them They'll say No I was saying boss, boss. Uh-huh. Well I think
1: that's, that's the thing That'll have to evolve They're going to make mistakes yeah. aren't they? And I'll see A couple of them Yesterday going to talk to me And not quite knowing How to start the conversation I'll have to have a, give them A little couple of days Of leave way To, to get their head around What they've got To call me now And approach me And then the fines will start
3: Have they uh, Have they taken it though I mean Now that you are uh, The boss now you are in charge.
1: I think they've been I think the group in the last they certainly I think the group were craving it and probably more than I was at the start of the season when the when the club decided that they wanted to make it permanent and, and, and obviously the recruitment process for Carl started. I think the boys are craving it. Um and then I think in the last couple of weeks I think it started to come into into viewpoint again. They've trained brilliantly this week. The reaction that I got um i lost track of days but the reaction i got yesterday when 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 the decision was made and 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 i spoke to them i I suppose i can only refer to how they trained and what their attitudes were like when we went into it yesterday and it had a real positive vibe it had a real good feel in terms of the way that they went about their work the intensity sort of had i suppose to a degree that little new manager vibe to it if you like but i think it was probably just that reassurance of right okay whether they like me whether they're happy whether they're not about me taking the job on on a permanent basis is almost irrelevant now. You've got to crack on, you've got to get on with it, you've got to focus to go and do your jobs right. And I think that's a key word for all of us is that we need to get that focus back to the way that we go about our work every day.
0: Let's go back to those um, big decisions you were talking about. Um, once Carl left uh, with a couple of home games, but, but they went wrong Scunthorpe and Forest Green. And and then with the Bristol Rovers game in, in the middle, perhaps you, you made a couple of very big decisions, really, in, in leaving out Dean Brill. And Josh Coulson in particular, um, how difficult a call was that, and, and how did they take it as, as individuals?
1: Very difficult, very difficult. Because I think um, it's very easy now. Dino's out of it, out of the picture completely. To forget what an incredible job he's done for us.
0: We actually added up how many consecutive games he'd played, and, yeah. and it was nearly a hundred. I think.
1: Mind blowing, really, when you think about. Because not just mind blowing, a goalie plays hundred games on the spin, but a goalie that was a goalie coach. He's Crazy, his career was over. So I think we have to. But because of that, because of that, you know, that tag, that association, that incredible job that he'd done, leaving him out and and, and, and not and, and in such a crucial position, you know, you sort of thinking to yourself, it's probably an easy thing to keep him in the team here. Because if I put Sarge in and it don't go particularly well, then pff, where do I go there? You know, because I've left the left left what was perceived as being the number one choice out. But I felt like it was the right thing to do. I and the same with course, really. You know, when when things are not going, you know, last year when we won or when unbeaten for the first fourteen games of the season, we never changed the team. And I actually remember going away to Harrogate, one of our supporters as I was coming off the pitch for the after the warm up, going to me, oh, I ain't changed the team again. And I went, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute, like we, we, we ain't lost yet. Like why would we change? And I know that can be, start to become, but I think what, what the, the, the message that sends is when you're winning, you don't have to change your team. You shouldn't change your team and you get consistency and it all snowballs together. When you're losing, you're trying to find the right ingredient. So I think I looked at that at that time and I felt that Jamie Turley had been out injured. Marvin had come out of the team been playing at fullback Dan Appy had, had been in and come off and all of those things. And, I, and I looked at it and thought to myself well actually course hasn't come out of the team yet so that's the next thing that I need to try it was very difficult it was a difficult situation for me to approach because again he was a main star big character fans loved him last year all those sorts of things that went towards it. and I wasn't sure of the reaction that I was going to get from them or, and everybody else and him so very difficult but I promised myself right from the beginning that I'd always be honest with people. And if I'm honest with people, they're not going to like it sometimes. Then I'm going to get a different reaction, whether it's for the good or the bad. am not always going to know exactly what I'm going to get. But if I'm straight and honest, you've got to live with it. You've got to live with it. You've got to get on with it. And you know, th- then it's about whether or not it was the right decision or not. And, and on that occasion, we, you know, we, we ended up with a point away to Oldham.
0: And is that purely your decision, or you, do you discuss that sort of thing very much with the other coaches?
1: Um, no the, the 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 decision is mine um, I think we've Dan stepping into The assistant coach's job It was new for all of us You know Everyone sort of Kept talking about me Being the head coach And me being this And me being that But I think it was Danny Webb's first time of being the assistant manager, it was Joby's first time of being a coach so I think it was important that I gave them at the beginning of the season the same sort of thing, the chance to acclimatise. I think now I bounce ideas off of them a lot more but they are ideas and, and ultimately the buck, buck stops with me so they'll give you, give me my, their their opinions and then it's about sort of how far I want to take them or what's really important to me when it comes to picking the team. Mm-hmm.
2: Well we had a question from Les Kaye and he said, uh, do you think you're getting full help from your coaching team during a game? He says, is this his opinion? He said, we rarely see you talking with them during a game. Is this your choice or do you think you could use them to better
1: effect? I mean, he's, he should be watching the game, shouldn't he? Instead of watching you, um, to a degree. <laughs> but I think uh, I'll be honest. So I go to a game of football, and I do it so often now. Even when I'm watching a video, sometimes I look and I think, "Oh my god, what's the manager trying to tell him there?" So it's always been saying that I've in, I've been interested in go and watch a Chelsea game and Jose Mourinho. I'm looking at him, waiting to see whether or not he's going to make a sub or you know those sorts of things. So I respect that 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 um, thing. I'll, I'll have to make sure I keep doing my air and trying to look the best <laughs> I can to to impress him. But um, we interact all the time. Uh, I don't know how much that comes across or how much people see that, but we interact all the time. I don't always... uh, I used to get up and go and stand next to Justin in order to communicate with him um, because that's what he wanted and that was the understanding that we had with each other. But it doesn't always work like that with, with, with manager and assistant. I turn around often and speak to Joby. Sometimes I was called Danny over. It depends on the situation and the circumstances. So... I feel they give me everything Um, I feel we communicate a lot I run every tactical every substitution past the pair of them if not certainly one of them if the other one's doing something getting the sub ready whatever it might be but um, the communication between us during games I feel is quite comfortable
2: Yeah, It's it's, it's an interesting fact because uh, in the championship winning season we also sit up in the stand and nine times out of ten, we always called Justin substitutions right. So we, 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 we thoroughly enjoyed that because we, we knew what he was going to do a lot of the time and, right. he, and, yeah. and most of the time he got it right. But he's, he's interesting. I mean, I often look across because I'll sit in the west side and see what the coaching staff do, but not excessively. But Especially when somebody... When you, when you first took over done the same I remember seeing Justin at Harringay Borough just
1: like I see how the new manager works yeah. so it's a, it's a good observation to see and it's it, I I think I said when I when I first stopped doing the role um, when Kyle came in was that I always felt that I wasn't capable of watching the game in the same way that I'd always watched it either from the stand or sat down in the dugout because it were not my responsibility to be stood up and be seen as the manager, the coach. I, mm. I'm not massive on that bit, but I understand the responsibility of of the manager to be up and be seen and, and that sort of thing. Um, but it was always my thing to sit down, watch it, watch it from the... And I know Just wanted to be involved so I'd leave him be. And when I felt I had something to say I went got up and go and, go and communicate that with him. Mm. Me, Danny and Joby just do that. Probably not as directly, but I'm often turning around and talking to him about the game. Well,
2: you're probably doing it naturally, just because you all get on pretty well together by, yeah. by the looks of it. And I know? think
1: it's that really. That's how we work day to day. As we share information, we give each other our opinions. They're not always the same. They're not always they're not always agreed on. But that's that's part of going to work with people <laughs> every day, isn't it?
0: OK, well, just the recent games to bring us right up to date before we start looking ahead. Um, starting with the Oldham game, we've won one, drawn three, lost two. And I think you've talked a little bit about a slight change of style or change of approach in those games. Could yeah, you elaborate I, on that a bit?
1: I don't know how often Ian Holloway listens to Phoenix FM, so I don't <laughs> think I'll have to be too careful. But I think, um, yeah, look, I think uh, someone said the other day our, our away form is eighth in the league. Is that right? Something like that. I think Exactly, might yeah, be yeah, Ken Now, yeah. 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 I was listening to you, um, and then obviously our, our home form is far from that. Uh, I, my, my point off the back of, of that, I think it was a question from Dave Victor, when it? That I felt, I feel that sometimes our dominance at home last year of pretty much going out and having or looking, having the responsibility, being the big team, the opposition often coming and trying to hang on for a point, at least you know a point. Um, sometimes can hang over us. And I think from my perspective as well, that I'm probably always standing there thinking, I'm going to go and win this, go and win this. How can I change the game? Which I'll never change because I want us to win games of football. But I think because we haven't won as many games as we could have done and should have done at home and wanted to do, then it's something that we have to reassess how we play our way into games, how quickly we become gung or, you know, for the want of a better phrase, aggressive to try and create and win games of football. Maybe we do need to play our way into into that a little bit. More. I think at the same time as well, analysed all the goals that we've re- we've conceded and, and stuff like that at home. There's been a lot of messy, crap goals that we've conceded. Um, there's not many where, where we where we watch them back and I've said to the boys, that was all right, that one, wasn't it? The Scunthorpe one, the boy bends it in the top corner. I think the Port Vale one, the boy bent it in the top corner and you think you know, you can't do anything about them ones, even though when I'm watching them, I think, why don't someone sh- shut him down quicker? Um, but it's been too many occasions where it drops in our box and we give rubbish goals away. So I think it's a bit of a, just a bit of a different, maybe a different mindset from myself is that we're not, because of the difference in quality, because of the difference in the standard and the teams that we come up and the individual players we come up against, we're not always going to be the team that can grab hold of the game by the scruff of the neck and go and dominate because we're coming up against better teams and better players. So... But it's just showing the level a little bit more respect from me, and, and and not leaving ourselves vulnerable to giving ourselves too much to do. I
3: think when you was first uh, running the team before Fletcher, the one thing I sort of picked up on was that he was changing teams, and I know a lot of that was because of the, like the formation from last season carrying over. But you never seemed to like what I said at the time. You never seemed to put in your own formation. Since then, it's looked like you've you've picked your own formation, you've stuck with it, you've changed players around, but stuck with that formation. I mean, is that have you stuck with that mainly because of the injuries or because of the players you've got available, or do you believe that is the, the the best formation for you to keep going this season?
1: I think it's quite interesting. I think you're spot on there, because I when, when, when I knew I wasn't going to be the manager no more, I wanted to assess what I was as a manager when I'd done the job, so that I could be better if I ever had to do it next time and, and make sure that, I you know, analyse the decisions that I made and why I made them. And the one thing, I, I, one conclusion I came to was that I made too many changes. I probably searched for something out of the ordinary too often. And that, the out of ordinary don't happen, which is why it's the out of the ordinary. So I think um, being a little bit more uh, considered in the, in the decisions that I made, I think that sometimes the thing that influenced it that I found was We've had so many games this year where we've let in poor goals, been down, and then had a right go at someone in the second half, got something out of it, not got something out of it, come really close to to nicking something, you know, Forrest Green being a good example of that with me at the bar, despite being well out of the game. And I think then I I, I was coming off the pitch and thinking, it's a really good second half, so we'll go with that this weekend. Where actually, even though the second half was good, the circumstances led to us having a... Having a go, and the opposition maybe trying to hang on to things. So that was a big part of what I came up with. Them was that I don't quite need to be so drastic in the way that I go about my work. So really keen to try and find a, a formation that works for us, of course. And then I think it's about the personnel that fits in. We went for a really good run with having a player started when we started playing sort of four-three-three, three, if you like. Um, but we had Connor Wilkinson as one of our wingers. And there were so many times that in recent weeks people go to me, you only play one up front, I think we'll play the same formation. But when we've got Connor Wilkinson there, he just plays that role a little bit differently to perhaps Jordan Maguire-Drew or Brophy Mm. or James Dayton, whoever it might be. So I think it's having personnel obviously helps to have the consistency within there. But I think for me it was about trying to be a little bit more calmer and consistent in the decisions that I make so that I don't come across too wild and then it's too much for the boys to get their head around.
0: Well, we're well into the second half already. Time is flying, so let's move on. Um, The transfer window's open. You've told us about Dale Gorman's uh, loan move to Newport, which has gone through literally today. And we have a new goalkeeper who uh, looks and sounds quite a character. Um, Tell us a bit about Lawrence Vigouroux.
1: There's probably a good way just to sum him up, really. Uh, He's a goalie. Um, When you say about him being a character, he's a goalkeeper. Uh, Lively in terms of that. I mean, he's... when I've worked with him in the past, he's um, he's always been the centre of attention around the
0: group.
1: Well, I've known Lawrence since he was sort of seventeen. I worked at Tottenham, and part of my job was sort of some recruitment bits and pieces. And we run a lot of college programmes like the club do here, sixteen to eighteen year olds out of school. Lawrence was one of them, and I watched him and took him in on trial to, to Spurs, and they signed him, uh, give him a pro contract, and I'm sure everyone's aware of his career in terms of going to Liverpool, and then we just. By pure fluke, when when we went to Swindon, he was he was the goalie there, and we just they just signed him from um, from Liverpool on a permanent basis. So um, he's a he's a fantastic character. He's um, you look at him sometimes, and he looks all skin and bones, but he's, an, he's a he's really really good athlete. Fantastic with his kicking and with his feet, um, and, a, and a very very good shot stopper. I think for me, we've signed if we're aspiring to to sign. More and more quality as we go through the season and over the next two or three transfer windows if you like for me we've signed a, goal, a league one goalkeeper um at the bare minimum by the way because i know at swindon he was very very close to some championship moves and things like that but he's gone away and he's had a bit of a unsettled few months in terms of having to live away from his family and that in chile but um he's come back come back home and and, and i feel we've we've, we've acquired a, a very very good goalkeeper
0: And is it true that when he was once fined £50, he paid it in pennies?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. um, It was just before I went to Swindon. Um, And I think it shows you the character that he is a little bit to a degree. He was a kid, really, at the time. And I know that he was given a strong dressing down. He was sent back to Liverpool off the back of it. um, And he had to learn from those things. And I think, for me... Um, some people hear different stories about him, he is, he is lively, for me he'll, he'll be a fantastic character to fit into the group, he evolves the group again um, and he'll, he'll take us to another level in terms of the quality that he's got.
0: And we shouldn't forget that George Marsh's loan has been extended, which I'm sure you're pleased about. And we spoke briefly actually at the meet the coaches evening before the season about loan players and why maybe we hadn't made all that much use of them. And your answer, if I paraphrase correctly, was that it's as much about ability, as as much about attitude as ability, is
1: that fair? 100%. Um, I went to watch Chelsea against West Ham, no, Chelsea against Tottenham under 23s the other night, and it's a completely different game, it's a completely different sport to the one that we play on a Saturday. First and foremost is, I don't know, 300 people there, so... You don't get clapped, booed, cheered, whatever it might be when you when you do good, bad or indifferent. I think um, the way that you're trying to play the game is to replicate the very, very best, which I love, by the way. It's fantastic. We're trying to replicate something, but we're trying to also understand that the level of players that we've got in our team are not the same level as the premiership players. So it's going to have to be a little bit different so it's trying to identify when you watch it which is really difficult their characteristics and the type of lads that they are and are they capable of coming into our training ground every day where not everything's done for them where the gym isn't as magnificent as what it might be when you go into West Ham or Tottenham and I know that I worked with George when he was 10 11 12 years of age took him away on tours to Italy and he was always a tough little sod he always had a little bit of an edge about him he was always the one that probably disrupted the nice academy football matches by a late tackle or you know but but he had he had something about him that was different to the others and he was a very good footballer as well because he wouldn't be at Tottenham to the age that he is now if he wasn't but the thing for me was I knew I felt that by signing George it was going to take us very 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 close to the type of character that you need to be able to survive in League 2 football and when I compare that to Levi Lameka, who we had last year there on completely different planets because George has embraced the challenge and, like I said, take nothing away from his footballing ability, but he's shown a real capability in his first loan. I think that's the other thing as well, you know. You read stories about Harry Kane going out on eight loans and Andros in this and John O'Beaker, all them players that went from Tottenham on loan. George is on his first loan and he's made an incredible impression once he's got in the team.
0: Good, that's good to hear. Um, Trevor supporters love a transfer window. Um, any names being mentioned? Anything they're hoping for <laughs> in particular?
2: Well, a lot of the time you get ridiculous names being thrown up here in every way. But um, Stephen asked, "What chances of Danny Rowe signing for us? Even taking a look at Effie Long at Dover, plus six foot plus forwards, if we don't know him, but."
0: Um, this is Kenny yeah. Rowe from Fylde, who has actually put in a transfer request, hasn't he? And yeah, I see Orion that yesterday. supporters, of course, know all about him, especially after Wembley
1: last after year. After Wembley, talented boy. We, you, me and Webber, used to call him the Matt Letizia at the National League <laughs> last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, incredible talent. Uh, I'd be very interested to see what he does and where he goes, because there's a grey area for me. I thought he was fantastic in the National League when I watched him a lot. Someone sent me a text yesterday saying, Danny Rowe has handed in a transfer request. Go and sign him. He tore us apart last year. I said, we beat him 3-1, 2-0, and he's got a free kick in the final. What stage do you tear us apart? But don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from Talented boy. I know he earns a hell of a lot of money. I know he's a northern lad. Um... So I, I I wouldn't imagine that he'd be someone that we would uh, we would turn our attentions to, and especially the other thing to bear in mind as well is the age that he's at.
0: I was going to say he's thirty in a couple of weeks' time. Um, does that mean you're very much looking at players of a younger age, or that if they're good enough, they're young enough? Or?
1: Yeah, I think I think. On two different levels, I suppose it's the position. I think if we look and I say that we've got a, I don't know, pluck a Hector Kipriano out, for for argument's sake, who for me is going to be an incredible talent. I think he's going to be a player that's got a massive future ahead of him. Is he going to play every week at 18 and make an impression on the team? Probably not, because he's 18. Um, But do we want to smother his progress and his pathway? No. So then maybe if... We were looking for someone. I'm using this, you know, totally hypothetically. But if we were looking for someone in that position, we might then go and sign someone who's a little bit older because we know that we've got the younger version to to come into the team. But it lightens the load on him. Um, but then at the same time, if we're looking in a p- particular position on the pitch where we're a little bit more experienced, well, then it might be that we try to reduce the the age of that area of the pitch, the age of that of the team and the players that we've that we've got. Maybe I suppose the easiest way of looking at it is is we've got Dean Brill and we've signed Lawrence Vigora. I suppose that's a a good example of how that works. So I'm not sitting here saying, oh yeah, I want to go and get a load of kids on loan from Tottenham. But at the same time, I know know that I, I can't put my sort of finger on saying that's exactly what we want to go and sign because
0: it's relevant to
1: who's available and what positions we're looking in.
0: And are you either hoping or expecting that one or two more will come in?
1: Yes, definitely. I, when I say hoping, I think it's the, it's not a case of hope because um, we have a transfer committee that I've been um, lucky enough to sit on in the last couple of weeks, obviously preparing for, for, for the decision that was made with me becoming head coach, which is a discussion between myself, Martin, Nigel, Kent, Matt Porter, Danny Macklin, where we're discussing what we feel is the, the right things. For in terms of evolving the squad, like I said at the beginning, and bringing in the right types of players. So, it's def- I wouldn't use the word hope because uh, I'm confident that we will be bringing players in throughout the window.
0: I was going to say, tell us a bit more about the whole scouting network works and from, from the moment that, that names are first mentioned until hopefully you do actually sign someone.
1: Well I think it's evolved a little bit now but I think we've got we've got Steve Foster who who is our chief scout head of recruitment I'm not sure of his exact title and and, and Steve's out at games throughout the weeks and months of the season and 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 following up leads and you know looking at his you know the, the network of people that he's got and he's got a team of scouts that do one of two things they either uh, assess the opposition and analyze the opposition so we try to watch them two or three times live before we play them to make sure we've got the best insight into what they're all about and then at the same time we've got scouts who go out and watch individual players to make sure that we've got our finger on the pulse for times like this so it's not doesn't become off the cuff um and then and then on top of that myself webby martin um we all go out to games consistently throughout the season when we're not playing in order to make sure that we can follow up on the ones that we want you just
3: mentioned about the uh, transfer committee. I know Nigel Travis talked about it the other day with Martin Ling. I mean, we know like, you've got a long-standing relationship with Martin Ling, goes back a long way, and I'm sure that's going to be a, a massive door you can knock on for for experience. Yeah. But with Martin Ling, and I know he's splitting, he's splitting opinions at the moment of whether... Well, I don't really understand it, because I think he's a, he's a great club man. But he's splitting opinions at the moment. But with Martin Ling, with you... Is this going to be... Does Martin Ling have a say in who picks the team? Is he going to be telling you whose transfers you can have and what you can't have? Or is he going to be there to do what basically what his job is, which is what's been said, and your support?
1: Yeah, on a number of on a number of levels, there. I think... Um, I've, so I don't forget them all. The first one is that he'll be the one that tells me what we can and can't go and do because he'll trans tra- or relay what money's available. Yeah. You know what what we can do to, to sign, go and sign a player, which ultimately is what it's all about. So Dell goes out today. We've probably got a little bit more that we can put into the kitty to go and recruit new players. So Martin, Tran, you know, Tran, transfers that information over to me. He has absolutely no impact whatsoever on the team that we pick at the weekend, the formation that we play, um, the way that we go about setting up a team for the weekend, the support that he gives me is outside of. Um, outside of the, the, the direct football bit So if I feel like I'm, I'm leaving this one out this weekend I, I need to go and have a chat with him about this Or this one's done this in training How would you deal with that? I think it's like the the, the human element the, the How to deal with your staff How to deal with your players the That experience that he's had of, of, of being a manager <coughs> Is something that I can call upon all the way through but very rarely does, he a, does we ever have a conversation about 4 The 2 the, And I can honestly say at home games, I walk into his office um, at midday and he goes to me, what are you doing today, mate? So I put the team up on his board and I tell him. So he can then go and tell Nigel Kent, or whoever's going to ask him. So that's the first time that he knows the team that I'm going to pick. And then when we're on away days, he travels with us most of the time when we go overnight. And the first thing he'll ask me is in the morning before we do our team "Is what team are you picking today? Have you told them that they know? Have you got to have any difficult conversations? So it just gives me that little bit re- more reassurance to someone that's a little bit removed from it, um, so that I can, yeah, you know, so I can manage better. I suppose I'm not sure how much more you ask me, Lee. I might have lost. lost no, right no, question.
3: I was just saying, like with, with the transfer of targets, he's not telling you what. Players. Sorry, yeah, no, like the financially, the obviously, obviously but yeah.
1: But no, no, in terms of the targets, no, I think he'll support me, and you know, he'll find out. And spe- he, he speaks nine times out of ten, he speaks to the agents. He works out, you know, if, if we've got to relocate someone from somewhere, how much that's going to cost us, you know, all the factors that come into it. So it's not just about players' wages; it's about you know where we're we going to put them, what we're we going to do with them, how we're we going to put them yeah. up. Are they London boys? You know, recently we've been good in terms of the ones that we have recruited, Lawrence and, and George Marsh, because they're boys that do not don't have to relocate as such. So he helps with that. Side of it, and can tell me what's realistic about the players that we might be bringing in, but not at mm. any time do we actually really discuss the whether he can pass it or whether he's a left back, right back, centre half, centre forward. You know,
3: so we can put to bed about the Ning uh, puts the uh, picks the team and everything. Yeah, put I, it all to bed. I, now. I,
1: I'll be totally honest. I don't think he'll have any problem with me saying this. I don't think he's interested in that. Yeah, you know, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. He obviously is interested. Obviously, he wants us to win. He wants us to put. The best team out on the pitch that are going to go and get us, a, get us a result. But I don't, he don't. I think he said it before. He's more interested in a spreadsheet now than a four-four-two. He comes if he ever comes out on the training pitch and watches, the first thing he gets is a little bit of stick off one of the experienced players. Of what are you doing out here? So that hopefully paints a bit of a picture as to how much impact or how much interest he shows or has on what we put out at the weekend.
0: All right, well you've got a team to pick for this weekend, Um, it's Grimsby, uh, the return game from, as we said, one of the happiest, if not the happiest uh, away games of the season, a 4-0 win, but Grimsby uh, under Ian Holloway have already had a a bit of a managerial bounce, haven't they? A very good win at Mansfield with 10 men uh, last week apparently.
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, The lad that uh, that was taking the team before Ian came in, uh, he's someone I know quite well, so I know that they've... um, I know he's come in and made an impact. I think Ian Holloway, wherever he goes, he's going to make an impact. Um, I haven't had the privilege of meeting him, but I've done some bits on TalkSport over the summer, over the phone with him, and he was always really good to me. But I think everybody knows what a bright character he is, and I'm sure he does lift lift people's spirits when he when he, when he he comes in. It was a club that was a little bit flat in terms of before he came in, or when we played them before, they. it felt a little bit of a flat atmosphere. So he certainly picked the place up. Um, I know they're bringing a big following, but I think what that does for me, it excites me in terms of, when there's a big following coming to our place, you know, hopefully it ignites the, ignite, ignites our crowd and gives it that upbeat feel and makes the game a bit of a bigger occasion, so, um, you know, my biggest thing is, I don't like using the word hope, but in terms of the way that the feel that I've got off the boys this week is that we had no game last week, which was a blessing, we've had a real good Nine, ten days, or whatever it works out to be, by the time we go to play, um, the training's been positive. So um, let's—I say—don't like using the word hope, but let's hope that the boys give us uh, that—that new manager Mm -hmm. bounce in terms of our favour.
0: Tell us a bit about the preparation for a game like that, and and how much you do on the opposition in particular.
1: Um, A a lot, a lot. Um, We do more on us than them, so I think um, that's—that's always something that's really important to me is that we start to have our identity and we, we, we can go out with a mindset of imposing us what we're about and what, what we want to do to an opposition. But we have to respect the opposition that we play. And I think I said it earlier that we have to respect the level of players and the level of team that we're coming up against this season because they're a lot, lot better than, than what we've experienced in the past. So, um, like I said there, we t- two or three, dependent on where the games are and who we're playing, will we depend on how easily we cover getting someone to go to watch um, watch that team two or three times before we play them. So we get the reports off of that, which Joe Austin, who's our, who's our analyst, is, is outstanding at what he does, um, and he collates all of that. And then at the same time, we've got a lot of usage, which comes back to player ID as well, in terms of what we said earlier, in terms of um, Joe analysing the footage as well. So... He's watched over nigh on 200 games already this season in terms of looking at oppositions and and things like that. So Joe will collate um, familiar patterns, consistent things that he sees from what the opposition are about and present them to me, dependent on if it's a Tuesday game or a Saturday game. He'll he'll, he'll present them to me so that I'm, I'm clear on what it needs to look like throughout the week. So this week was in a great position that, as of Monday, I could he'd had that focus to get it all ready and we've had a good clear week at looking at exactly what Grimsby are all about and how we can impose ourselves on them.
0: Good and I'd uh, better ask you for an injury update. How are we looking?
1: Positive. Um, I'm really, really hoping that Joe Widerson will train tomorrow. Um, he's suffered an injury that didn't seem pretty or didn't seem too severe. But every time we sort of built him up to get him close to being back again, he had a setback and he, he was out for another few days. So that's what has been one step forward, two steps back with Joe recently. But I'm really hopeful that he might train tomorrow. Uh, Connor Wilkinson's had a good week in terms of being back closer to to fitness. Uh, Louis Dennis obviously was involved in the last game, but he's, he's also benefited from the week 10 days that we've had in order to build himself up and be... Closer in, in, in contention to be in and around the team. Um, I feel poorly... Oh, Dean Brill, obviously. We've had him in this week, albeit on his crutches and still with a brace on his leg because uh, his hamstring's hanging off in all different sorts of places. So
3: that's not a conspiracy theory,
2: then?
1: Oh, God, no. You, you'll see, I think it Well, He'll be at a game at the weekend and you'll see the, 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 the state he's in in terms of the brace and the, and the crutches that he's still on. So... Um, yeah, Dino's, Dino's going to be a long, long time. He's probably one of those um, that we talk, don't really need to talk about in a great deal. I feel like I'm missing someone, but um, I'm not sure if I am.
2: So, um, Mark from the West End said how far is Joby McEnough off from sort of playing any it, kind of minutes this season?
1: We're hopeful that he will play minutes this season. He's probably the simple way for me to answer that question. I think Joby, for me, Joby suffered in terms of the short period of rest that we had over the summer four and a half five weeks whatever it was that sounds like a wonderful period of time but I think to have off of work but I think was that down to the a, trophy final and being
2: I three think weeks. accumulation
1: I think he was so important to us last year in terms of the experience and the know-how that he had on the pitch and the management that he had of the group while he was out there that we kept rolling him out, we kept rolling him out. He wanted to do it, you know, it wasn't against his will. He wanted to get us over the line and be the one to lift the trophy and thank God he did that. Um, but I think what that did is it's impacted the amount of time that he had to recover. Then when he come back, we felt it was going to be that he went under had the op, first operation and it was going to be a smooth transition and, and, it, and it clearly wasn't. So the second operation that he's had was a lot more of a, a major one. Um, I'm confident that he will get himself closer and capable of playing again this season to put a figure on it and when that's going to be I think it would be naive I'm hoping that it would be within the next six, eight weeks but the physio might be sitting at the other end of this <laughs> radio station thinking what are you putting that target on it for but Joby does a lot lot more in the gym every day he looks a lot lot more stronger but I think we'll only time will tell once he has to go out and start running and kicking balls again Is his
2: influence really Quite big on the uh, the training ground as well now, because we don't sort of get
1: to see that side of it. I no. mean, he obviously was massive on the pitch last year. So yeah, I think it's his character that was massive for us, on, uh, as well as being brilliant in terms yeah, of his performances. <laughs> but his character was fantastic. His character around the boys is outstanding in terms of the impact and the little bits of snippets of information he gives them, and the you know the strong words that he has when he feels he needs to put his foot down. Mm-hmm. He, he's got real authority amongst the group. Um, He's not—he's not a coach yet. I think he'll be the first one to admit that. In terms of his his, his coaching responsibilities, will evolve. But the impact that he has now—he's more capable again. We lost him off the even off the training ground for a good four or five weeks because he had the operation and he was hobbling around. He couldn't go outside. So, in the last week or two, I've managed to get him back outside and he's leading and helping one sessions and we can feel he's. Um, you know, having him, we've got him back out there again, it makes a big, big impact on the group. So he's he's massive for me as a coach at the moment, but I know he's still got a massive part to play if we can get him fit again. Yeah, it's good news.
0: Yes, good to hear. Um, the revised date for that Northampton home game, of course, Tuesday the 21st of January. That's um, actually it's just a few days before they play at home to Derby County in the fourth round of the Cup. So hopefully they'll be full of thinking about that. And actually, I think that makes three weeks out of four, Ross, uh, that we have a midweek game with that, that nice trip to Crew the following Tuesday as well. So a, a bit less time to prepare everything there. <laughs> um, Trevor, we're running out of time. Um, any more questions? Well, if I can quickly ask Ross some
2: cheeky little yes or no answers sort of thing just that people would uh, generally ask him about our new manager VAR, you for or against? Against. Okay, what was your favourite O's kit?
1: Um...
0: Supposed to say the braces. No, do you know too, what? Too young for no, braces. i tell you what.
1: No, no, no. I like, I love the braces, but like you say, it's a bit. Uh, do you know what I really liked was the one we got to Wembley in when we had the three amigos? The Czech, yeah, the Czech mm-hmm.
2: one, yeah. You said the right thing, Czech, it? yeah. Any superstitions before a match?
1: Four chewing gums, four
2: chewing gums. <laughs> now, your head coach, suit or track suit? Track suit, good <laughs> Messi or
1: Ronaldo, Messi <laughs>
2: Favourite game from the championship season or most rewarding last year? Sorry, say that again. The most favourite rewarding game from the championship winning season last year?
1: Er, uh, Eastley at home. Oh,
2: excellent. What would Justin's be? Any idea?
1: <laughs> Probably Solly, oh, I've never that. seen him so nervous. Unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, to get through that one, I think would have been his biggest one.
2: Favourite or end game of all time?
1: Dagnam and Redbridge away in the FA Cup. Oh, five, 5 4. four yeah, right there. <laughs> uh, I was ball boy. Yeah, my mate's dad was a was a director at Dagnam I was ball boy.
2: Excellent. And favourite stadium you've ever been in or two?
1: Ah, it's got to be Wembley.
2: Yeah, okay. You may not want to answer this one. The hardest person in football you've ever worked under?
1: Tim Sherwood. Oh, expect that. No, and no, you didn't. <laughs>
2: the biggest influence on your career so far? My dad. Good, and he's a lovely fella because we had him in here. and was, ah, was, of course he did. It was yeah. a pleasure in one there. Yeah, thanks for that,
0: Ross. Very good. That. And in thirty seconds, hopes for the rest of the season.
1: Um, positivity to build, to progress. I think um, stability was my focus at the start of the season. Obviously, to have got off the ground, hit the ground running would have been the ideal one. But um, for me now, it's about finishing, the, having the second half of the season that improves on the one that we've had already. Uh, I, what I don't want to do is set us ridiculous targets and fall short of them. But to change, you know, to change it around, to turn it around and finish strong is something that, that, that we have to aspire to do as a bare minimum.
0: And improve that home record in particular.
1: Too right, yeah, I think and I think if we do that then we do the bit that I just mentioned.
0: We are out of time. Um Ross, thanks ever so much for joining us today and, and Frank and, and Forthright as ever and I'm sure on behalf of everybody and all supporters very best wishes for the rest of the season starting of course with grimsby on saturday uh, as ross has said they're bringing an awful lot of supporters so we do need to uh, to get behind the team right from the start thanks of course to trevor singfield and to lee boyce and our producer andy gilson you've been listening to the orient hour on phoenix 98 fm and you can do so every thursday from seven to eight online on the radio or on the podcast so until next time up the o's
1: On the hour, across Brentwood and Villarickey, this is Phoenix FM.